Well, launch pad, week two. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. If you don't know me, my name is Dean. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you if you're new here today. It's great having you with us. And, uh, and you've come at a really exciting moment for us as a church. We're right now uh, in this series, launch pad, and, and we're going to be continuing that today as we kind of get ready and prepare uh, to kind of launch into a, a whole new, I guess, kind of era, mission uh, as a church. And, uh, and, and what we're looking towards uh, in November will be sort of officially launching a uh, new campus in Marowa and uh, sort of newly launching right here in Mullaloo. So that's going to be kind of this moment of, of sort of liftoff and takeoff, if you will. Uh, what that means is right now we're preparing for that moment. And uh, right through October in particular is sort of when we'll sort of get to the, the final countdown, if you will, uh, out there getting ready. We're going to be playing the song, the final countdown a lot, because uh, I know we got some Europe fans here. Europe, anybody? Yeah, that's awesome. We're up to about eight today. I love it. And uh, it's a classic. Can't go past it. But, um, but so we're getting ready right now. Uh, as a church, you know, you heard uh, Pastor Phil talking about this just a little bit ago, and these are moments that can be incredibly exciting, and, and I know so many are, are absolutely ready for it. Uh, there may be others of you sort of go, oh, you know, what's this going to mean for me, and what are the, the, the challenges? One of the things I know is often people experience moments like this one of two ways. There are some who just get kind of feeling like, yes, I can't wait. I want to be a part of this. You hear something like, I want to give my time, my talents, my treasure. I'm, I'm set for that. Other people sometimes can feel like, oh, this feels like a bit of a burden. Is that just another thing? Now i got to be a part of this. What I, what I want to suggest to you as we approach this, this kind of launching moment is that what will bring this mission into focus for us, what will help us understand what we are doing, what we are sort of embarking on, is really kind of two big questions that will help us understand what this is all about, that will frame it. The first question is the one we looked at last week. Who is God? We have to start with that question. Who is God? And last week we looked at this, you know, the showdown on Mount Carmel, and it was all about who is God? Who is the living God? Who is the God who created everything, sustains everything? Who is the great I am? When we understand this is who God is, that is where everything begins. Once we come to know who God is, now that begins to direct our course. It's, it begins, okay, if this is who God is, well, that's worthy of our lives. That's worthy of, that's a message. This is something, if we've come to discover who God is, we want every person to know that actually there's a creator who made them, loves them, has a purpose. Them. Who is God? First big question. The second question, the one we're going to look at today, that helps us understand now our role in this, is this question. Who are we? Or who is the church? Who is us? If you want to be grammatically correct. Like I do. This is actually a big question. If we understand who we are, for the people I know who get so excited about moments like this, you know what? It's not that they have more time, talent, or treasure than anyone else. It's people who've discovered this is who I am. And when you know who you are, when you know who God is, and when we know who we are, then we will know what to do. So as we get ready to launch, 
there's lots of questions we could ask and practical things, this and that, and what's it going to take? The, the thing that we need to answer most of all is, who is God and who are we? And for many of us, this is, this is about reminding ourselves, wait a second, this is who God is, and this is who we are because we are sometimes so prone to forget. We're so prone to get distracted. We're so prone to miss that. But these, the answer to these two questions is what really frames our mission for us. So today we're going to look at this question of who is the church? Who are we? And we're going to look at uh, some verses in the book of Peter. And this was a letter that Peter was writing to, to churches uh, in a time when they were being persecuted and experiencing a lot of difficulty and adversity. And he's going to write him a letter to remind them, this is who you are. This is who the church is called to be. This is what it means to be part of a church. And so I want you just to hear these words. They're going to, and if you want as well, you know, you can follow on the screen, but you could also, if you want, you could download that sweet new app. And you could, uh, how cool is that, hey? So you could download that. There's a Bible on there. You could take notes on there. I'm going to get mine ready in a second here so that if I say something good, I could write it down. <laughs> Remember it for later. I need a, do we have more room for that? Because I'm going to, I'm going to say lots of good things. No, it's just. <laughs> It's like so many. I need an iPad or a laptop. I'm just kidding. Anyway, 1 Peter chapter 2. This is what God's word says about who we are. Who are we? It says, as you come to him, the living stone. So this is directed to people who've come to Jesus, who have said, yep, I trust in Jesus. I'm coming to him with my life. As you come to him, the living stone, that's Jesus. We just sang about him, the cornerstone here at Living Stone, capital S, because this is Jesus, the, the stone who is alive. He was rejected by humans, but he was chosen by God and precious to him. That's actually pointing backwards to the Older Testament that reminds us that, that this was the promised Messiah. He says, you also, you guys, you church, like living stones, little stones, no more capital S, small stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering no more physical sacrifices, animals say, offering spiritual sacrifices, the sacrifices of praise and worship and a holy life, to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This tells us that we as church, we are like living stones. There's one big living stone, Jesus. He is the one who it's all built around. He is the cornerstone, the foundation. But we are, when we come to him, we're like little mini stones. But we're also living stones because the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead comes to be a part of us. And now we're like living stones. And we come to him. And you know who we are? This verse tells us we are a house that he is building. It says that, you know, you as little stones, living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You know what the church is? The church is this house for God's spirit. It's a house that God is building. We have new facilities we're developing there. We're meeting in a building right now, but we're in the middle of a building project. You know, God's great building project is that he's building believers together into households where he is pleased to have his spirit dwell. The language here, if you look, some of the older translations will translate this, that you are being built into a temple of the spirit. 
The language here, it's not that it's a spiritual house, like it's just sort of a, an, an idea that never uh, you see in reality. It's just spiritual. It's just an idea. No, it, it's actually talking about a spiritual house in the sense it's a house where God's spirit dwells. It's drawing off the imagery in the Old Testament of the temple, and the, the physical temple was the place where God's presence was to be found. And Peter's saying, now, you know who you are, church? You are like these stones that God is building together into a house where his spirit will dwell. Sometimes we use phrases like uh, we go to church or all be at church. Do you know, you, you, you don't just like attend church. You are a stone in the house that God is building. When we ask you to pray and prayerfully consider which campus you're going to be a part of, it's, it's because we want to, which house are you going to be built into? As God's people, if we've come to the living stone, we're like these stones, and he wants to build us into houses where his spirit dwells. So that these little houses everywhere where actually God's spirit dwells and his presence is there and people can come and meet him. Can I tell you some church, you are living stones that God is building into a house for his presence. So much bigger than we realize. We sometimes, we're really comfortable with the idea that like, oh wait, no, I'm a, a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? God dwells in me, and there's truth in that, absolutely. But sometimes we miss the reality that what God is building, his great building project is building us together. You know, on Father's, uh, for Father's Day at Levi, my son's school, he's in pre-primary, and so we had a Father's Day morning. If you got young kids, you probably went to something like that, and we had this just fantastic time at a school. It was just a great, great morning, and, uh, and then there was some free time just for you to hang out with, with your kids, and, uh, and so we were there, and, and one of the things Levi wanted to do, he'd been thinking, he's like, we're going to, let's play Lego, you know, because they had Lego in the back of the pre-primary, and he's like, I can't, we're going to play some Lego together, so we got out the the Lego, and, and, uh, and there's a few kids playing, and, and so I was like, hey, just grab a bunch, and let's just kind of make a little pile of it here. Now, think about Lego that, that, you know, Lego always exists in sort of two forms. Sometimes it's just sort of random, scattered. You might have a box of it somewhere where it's all jumbled up. You might have like a sheet full of it, you know, or, or if you had kids or grandkids or, you know, but so all Lego's just in all these pieces, and he grabs a bunch, and, you know, the thing about Lego is when it's just, you know, scattered all around, there's nothing really that special about it. They're just these blocks. They're these bricks. It's not just a toy, though. It's a complex interlocking system of building material. You know, that's what it, it's what it is. It's not just a toy. But, uh, but the thing about Lego is it's all about putting it together. Those bricks find their real meaning and purpose when they are built together. And so we're able to kind of just take any random assortment of bricks and, and like, hey, what do we want to build here? Let's build a spaceship. And before you know it, we built this sweet kind of three different section spaceship. Now, I'm not going to say it was all my doing, but, you know, I was, I was in there. I was amongst it. Anyway, this is the point. We sometimes, as believers, as followers in Christ, we're like, yeah, I'm like, a, I'm, a, I'm a living stone. But the picture the Bible gives is that these stones that we are are not meant to just be sort of scattered, living off our own lives with just sort of a nice idea that somehow we're all connected. What God is building is he's putting stones together to build a house where his presence is found. So we need to understand we are these stones in the house that God is building. 
in a temple that's no longer made of bricks and stone and mortar, but is built, made of community, the community of God's people, connected to one another. He has this, it, the, the text goes on, and he gives a couple more pictures. So the church, it's this house that God is building for his presence to dwell in. And then he says in verse 9, but you are, this is who you are, this is your identity, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, it's like bricks and stones scattered this way or that. You were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, you didn't know God, but now you have received mercy. What this reminds us is that we are the people of God. In our individualistic culture, and we live in Australia in one of the two most individualistic cultures on planet Earth, we are very comfortable saying we are persons of God. I know Jesus, iPhone, but this reminds us we are not meant to just be persons of God. We're meant to be the people of God. Look at the pictures he uses. He says, you are a chosen people. You know what I love about that? This, this reminds us of the language of the Old Testament where God was calling Israel to be his chosen people, as this nation that would represent him in the world, that would reflect him to all the nations of the world. He says, now you as living stones, people who come to the big stone, Jesus, you are, you are a chosen people. God's called us. He's invited us to be his people to be the, this community. I love it. You know, sometimes we can see a chosen people, and that feels like, oh, boy, there must be something special about uh, us or something, or, or that this could somehow be interpreted in an arrogant kind of way. Do you know it's exactly the opposite? The whole reason it's chosen people is because the point of it is God called you. There's nothing we did in and of ourselves. This is just simply God sovereignly decided to form a people for himself. We're not choice people. It's not that, yeah, we're so good. God's lucky to have us on the team. No, we are a chosen people. It's all gift. It's all grace. Don't ever think that we should take this for granted. God has invited us. We get to be a part of that people. And he says, not only that, but you're a royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. You know, in, in the Old Testament, in ancient times, there's always an understanding. There was sort of this gap that existed between God and and people, God and human beings. And the whole point of a priest was priests kind of were there to stand in that gap and help bridge that gap and help people connect with God. And they used to be kind of there. That was a, a slice of people. Only some people were priests could play that function. What this text reminds us is that you, all of you, you as a church, you are a royal priesthood. And we now are a people who are called to help connect those who are far from God to him. We're not, a, we're not a group of people that has priests. We are a community of priests. This is so important to recognize because the danger will always be you think we have priests. No, you are a priest. You're a part of the royal priesthood. Do you know on Monday, September 9th, this is going around on Facebook, you might have seen it. It's International Buy Your Priest a Beer Day. <laughs> I 
Now, some of you were completely uninterested a minute ago in this whole idea. But I want to tell you something. You got as much right as anyone else to go up and say, hey, can you buy me a beer? I'm a priest. <laughs> Monday, September 9th. Here's the point, of the, the point of all that. And you can only do that if you're prepared to unpack for someone what it means that you're... But the, the priests, actually, no, there are not some who are priests in God's new created order. Every one of us, as we come to Jesus, we are built into this community where each and every one of us is called. There, there's no, some people have the special access. There's no spiritual elite. Just when you come to Christ, you are part of the royal priesthood. It's royal. To be a part of this priesthood, this is the community of the king. He is the head of it. Because it's a holy nation. It's a holy nation. I love this third picture there. That, you know, to be a part of the people of God, it's, it's this holy nation. That amongst this community of people, amongst this chosen people, amongst this royal priesthood, this third kind of picture is like, it's like a nation. You know who the church is? It's meant to be like a nation within the nation. A city within the city. An alternate society that models the values of the kingdom. That's why it's a royal priesthood, because it has it. We have a king. His name is Jesus. I love this idea that we are meant to be a, a holy nation. Because this reminds us again, it's not about, hey, I, I go to church on Sundays. And maybe if I want to do some extra credit, I even serve at that church. No, we are called to be a part of a holy nation. And when you're part of a nation, it affects and transforms and governs every aspect of your life. It ends up changing your culture. It changes your values. It affects economics. It affects, you know, arts, creativity. And we are to be part of this, this city within the city, this city on a hill that models not just that we proclaim truth, but we're actually living out a whole new way of life, the kingdom way of life. We are to be a, a holy nation. There's no part of our lives that goes untouched by the new identity we have in Christ. We are, we are not just individuals saved by Christ. We are now a part of this whole new community of people he is building. I love these verses. And, they, cause the, and, the, and then the last thing that he kind of tags on as well is, is that not only that, you, you take all this, this picture of you as a people. This is who you together. This is who you are. It's who the church is. And we find out it's also God's special possession. Do you know how much God values the church? How much he values community. If we do not become people who are built together into that chosen people, that royal priesthood, that holy nation, if it always stays just an idea, then the thing that God values never gets expressed or made manifest in this world. God values us being built together. He says, you, church, you are his special Possession, the whole idea there is it's like his most treasured possession. Of all the things God has, the idea is this you, you church are his special possession. You think about all the things you have, you know, what do you value most? What's your most treasured possession? What's the, the thing that of all the things you have? You know, sometimes we'll ask this question, you know, if, if a, you knew your house was going to catch on fire, what would be the things you would get, you know, after you've got, you, you know, you, your people, your family, your friends out safely, what would be those possessions that you would want to get? If you could only grab one thing, 
Lisa and I, my wife and I, we thought about this a couple years ago. Like, you know what? Of all the things we could get, if, you know, if it was, you could only take one, we would grab our, our computer's backup hard drive. That's what we grab. It's got all our tax records for like the last five years. It's got various documents that we've written over time, checklists, things of that nature. <laughs> Jeez, that would be the worst reason ever. So <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm, you should be like, no, seriously, you should be saying, Dean, <laughs> reevaluate. No, the reason, the reason we want it is because like many of you, you know, when we got, when we got married a while ago, we, one, of our, one of our wedding presents uh, was a digital camera. And it was like the first digital camera and, and, and uh, you know, our families and friends. And it was, you know, it was just like, it was state-of-the-art at the time, like over two megapixels, I believe. It came with a free, you know, 16 megabyte memory card or something like that. I Maybe mean, it was 24 even. You know, it was, but you know what that means? It means for the entirety of our, our married life, all of our memories are captured, as so many of ours are today, in digital format. And so all our photos, because we're still waiting for whatever time it is that you decide to print a digital photo, I don't know, maybe one day, you know, we'll print a photo. It's like, yeah, we've been waiting for years, you know. But they're all there. They're all on the computer. They're all on this hard drive. And you're like, you know, of everything we have, the only thing we have that couldn't be replaced is like, that's really, at the end of the day, those memories, they are our most treasured possession. There's nothing else we have like them. Everything else can be replaced. You know what God says? He says, look, church, you are my treasured possession. Have you ever watched a David Attenborough video and you see kind of parts of planet Earth you've never seen before and beauty that just never gets discovered uh, except that they go there and, and look for it? You know, or you see pictures that, you know, satellites are taken of the far reaches of space. You think about the majesty of the whole creation we live in and God says, out of all of it, my one treasured possession the people of God. Do you know, if we, I think one of, the, one of the great challenges of the 21st century in a Western individualistic culture is to value the church the way God values it. To value the house he is building where he wants to place his spirit and his presence in this world. Imagine if we valued it the way he values it. You know, that, that this world, and, and you know why he values so much? Because it's like, you know, in this world, if people are to encounter him, to meet him, to see the reality of, of who he is, there needs to be this house that is built and houses that are built where his spirit dwells so that we may declare the praises. This is what then we, we do. We declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. The church is meant to be not only a house that God is building for his spirit, not only is it meant to be a people and a nation and a community of people, it's meant to be a magnifier in this world of who God is. The church is meant to make God come into focus in this world. We declare his praises. We don't kind of give some commentary or say a couple of, the church is meant to be the people who declare the praises of God. We declare who he is. We declare what he's done. We sing it. We live it. We live holy lives that speak of, of this amazing God. 
We, we sing together, we declare it, we speak it out, we share our, the witness of our lives of this amazing God and his work. The church is meant to be a magnifier of God. Now, God is not small that he needs blown up, but here's the thing is that so often in life, God, you know, even in our own lives, sometimes it's so easy to be focused on the, the mountains or the hills or the challenges or the difficulties or the things that are right in front of us. And sometimes we might even... You know, we see things that are right in front of us, like, this is difficult, this is a challenge, this is going to be hard. And we talk to God about it. I'm like, God, do you see this? Do you see this over here? God, I need your help over here. God, would you act over here? God, would you move over here? Can I tell you something? All of your life changes when you actually adopt the mindset of declaring the praises of God. Because what happens when you declare the praises of God and begin to think about who God is and how big he is and who is God? God is the great I am. He's the one who holds it all in his hand. He is the one who has no beginning and no end. When you begin to declare, and he's the one who loved us, he's the one who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He's the one who's changed everything. When you begin to see this is who God is, guess what? It's like God comes to the foreground. And all those challenges and difficulties and all those things, they begin to look a whole lot smaller. The church is meant to declare his praise so that God comes to the fore. And we share the the whole idea of declaring God's praise, that this is what the church is to do. If we don't, if there is not a community of people who declare the praises of God, how then will those who don't know him ever come to understand or know who he is and what he's done? We are meant to be a community of people who declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And if we believe that, if we feel that, if we know that as an experienced reality in our lives, that actually we were in darkness and he brought us into his light, there is wonder in that. I love it. He says into his wonderful light. How often do we reflect on just the wonder of what it means to know God? Living in, in God's light, there is a awe and a wonder that should take over in our lives. And if we ever lose that wonder, we will lose any and all motivation to declare his praise. The people who praise God are those who are conscious of the wonder of what he has done. And the challenge for all of us is to hold on to that wonder, to never let it get stale or old or just we're so focused over here, but to be people who hold on to the wonder. This is who God is. This is what he's done. And now I'm a part of this community he's building, this house he's building where his presence dwells. I'm a part of this holy nation, a whole different way of doing life. And we declare the praises of him who calls us out of darkness into his wonderful light. This, this is the picture. These are the pictures of what it means to be the people of God. That we are called not just as individuals who follow Jesus and and blocks that are kind of left scattered doing this and that. We are called to be stones in the house God is building. We are called to be his his people, the people of God in this world, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, and that we declare his praises in this world. This is what it means to be the church. And God values it so much. He says, it's my most treasured all my possessions, to be a part of his people. Ah, this is what it means. See, I know that as we think about something like, you know, launching, you know, new, new campuses, thinking about what it would mean in the future. I mean, if our mission is to point people to Jesus, and we live in this world where 
so many have no idea that God actually wants to call them out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's the, the mission. We want to point people to God, to who God is, how much he loves them, all these things. If, if, if that's the mission and, and, and we're going to be stepping into that, it will not, we will not step into it with any kind of joy and wonder if we just think we're doing jobs. If we just think, yep, it's going to take a little bit more work. We will step into it with joy and wonder when we remember this is what it means to be the people of God. When we ask you to give of your time, your talents, your treasure, we're not saying, hey, you'll be good if you do this. And if you really want some extra credit, we're saying, let's be the people of God in this world. That's the invitation. And unless we understand it from that perspective that this is who we are, we will either resent it or we will begin to grow tired of it. Or, or perhaps worst of all, we might grow prideful in what we're doing and thinking how great we are. Instead of realizing, no, we are just simply being the people of God that he's called us to be. You know, as we think about launching and what's ahead for us, what we're launching, you know, just remember this. We are, we are talking about launching a rocket, launching a spaceship. It's very different than, than launching, say, than, than say taking off on, a, on an airplane ride. I, I, I don't fly a lot, but often when I'm flying on an airplane, uh, I kind of end up on long stretches. I've been doing some studying. You know, so, you know, I just had on, uh, you know, not long ago, I was flying, you know, overnight to the U.S. And, and, and it's always kind of difficult to figure out even what part is overnight, you know, when you cross international date lines. You go, is this morning? Is this afternoon? Is it night? But it was, it was plain nighttime. Okay, so I was on this flight, and it's about nighttime, and, and by that, the windows are down, it's pretty dark, people are sleeping, and I was hungry, and so I thought, I'm going to go back of the plane and see what they got, and so I walked to the back of the plane, and, you know, most people, see, and, and there in the back of the plane on this, the way this one was kind of set up, all of the flight attendants uh, were there in the back of the plane, and they were having what looked to me uh, like a party, I mean, the lights were on. The rest of the thing's dark. There's a light on. People are standing around. They got drinks. They got food. Their food didn't look like my food looked. It was just like, I'm like, whoa, I feel like I'm kind of interrupting something. And then, you know, what I'm kind of saying, oh, what do you need? You know, and what I realized in that moment was that if you're a flight attendant on an overnight kind of flight or a long flight, it's a lot like being a parent, I'm pretty sure. Like, they're like, I feel like they were all like, Hey, we got them all in bed. We got them all dinner. They've all been fed. The lights are out. We did it, you know. Like, yeah, you know. And now they're like, let's party. Let's, you know. And, and, and I'm just kind of like, hey, could I have someone? They're like, get back in your seat, you know. <laughs> Do not come in here again, young man. Okay, you know. I'm, all right. But you realize this about a plane is that planes are very different than a space shuttle. On a plane, you've got passengers, and you've got the, the team. You've got the crew. And those flight attendants, their job is to kind of keep all the passengers well-fed and their, their TVs working, so we're all going to get through the next 10 hours with as little pain as possible. <laughs> That's the role. That's how it works. You've got two different groups of people. You've got crew, and you've got passengers. What we're trying to launch is a mission into outer space. We're trying to launch a space shuttle. You know what's different about a space shuttle is there's no passengers on a space shuttle. Every person is, it's mission critical for every person in that crew to be a part of that mission. 
Every person who gets on there, you're not getting onto a space shuttle for a, for a pleasure ride. You're not going, hey, I'll just go along on that so maybe I could catch some nice views. You know, I just want to experience weightlessness, which who among us does not want to experience? But nobody goes on a space shuttle for that reason. Richard Branson's working on it. Maybe you'll be able to one day. Today you can't. But that's the thing. Space shuttle, there's not crew and passengers. There's only crew. To be a part, to come to the, you come, when you come, when you come to the living stone where the life comes from, you also become like a little living stone. And he wants to build you into a house. You don't get to go to church. You are a stone in the church. And, and he says not only that, but you are, you are a chosen people. Every one of you on equal footing, you're a royal priesthood. There's no passengers and crew. There's no spiritual elite. There's no some people do this and other people. You know, there's differences, and we may play different roles and functions, but there is no difference in our standing before God. There's no difference in some people. It's just about a team. It's like a crew on a space shuttle. Somebody's got to be the person who pulls the lever, and somebody's got to be the person who does the other things. That's, again, what I learned as a young astronaut, the... Uh, <laughs> There's the lever pulling, and there's the button pushing. Some people pull levers, some people push buttons, but everybody's in the crew. And nobody kind of said, and let me tell you something, as we go into this launch pad moment, when we invite you and say, join the mission, what we're really just saying is, let's just be the people of God. Let's just be people where every one of us, we know this isn't about, nobody kind of sits on the sideline. We all have different roles and functions and spaces on the team, but every one of us has the same heartbeat. We are being built into a house where God's spirit dwells among us. Every one of us. Another stone in what he's building. Every one of us a part of that royal priesthood. Every one of us part of that holy nation, the community of the king. Whether we are young, whether we are old, whether we are somewhere in between, whether we feel like... You know, I've had, I, I feel like I, I, maybe I don't have all the energy. We're just, it's not about even what we function. It's just about being who we are called to be. And when we know who we are, then every one of us will know what to do. When we know who God is, wow, great I am. When we know who we are, called to be his people. This house he's building, his great building project, where spirit dwells in the midst. This is who we are. His, his special possession. That's who we are. Then we know. We'll figure everything else out as we go. Because we know who he is. We know who we're called to be. And when we know those things, we are getting ready to launch. We are getting ready to fire up the engines and say, God, would you take us, not to open a new campus here or there, but would you take us into a place where we live out in fullness the calling of what it means to be the people of God. This is what Launchpad is about. I want to just finish this morning by just reading these words over us once again. You know, next week, we're going to be, as I mentioned, we're, we're, we're asking everybody to begin thinking about where is God calling you to be? 
Where is the house that, that you want to be built into and say, I'm being built into this house so that there is a, a witness to God, that the presence of God dwells in Meroah, or that I'm a part of the house God is building in Molu, and I'm, a, I'm stepping into that. But it will only, we will only become who we're meant to be if, it's, if this is actually flowing out of a clear, clear sense of who God is and who we are. And I want to just read these, these words to us. I'm going to invite you just to stand even. And I want to invite you, if you're somebody who, you know, you say, yep, this is my house. I'm a part of this house that God's building. God's building houses all over the place. I think what God wants more than is just like houses everywhere. A house kind of walking distance from every person where people are gathering under the name of Jesus as their cornerstone and his spirit is there. But if this is the house that you're being built into, I want to encourage you maybe just to close your eyes, maybe even to open up your hands, but even just to open your heart and just to say to him, maybe in the quiet of your heart, Lord, would you help me to see what you see when you look at your church? Would you help me to think about the church the way you think about it, to feel about the church the way you feel about it, to see what you see? And as you do that, I just want to read you these words, the words of Scripture. Tell us who we are. Once again, it says, as you come to him, the living stone. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the living stone. Thank you we can come to him. Thank you that life is found in you, Lord Jesus, that you are alive forever and ever, and your life now can flow into us. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, Lord, help us to hear this. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Lord, we just surrender to you. Would you build us into the spiritual house you desire us to be, to a temple of your spirit, us together as a community. You're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Lord, may our lives be acceptable before you. Power of your spirit, would you enable us? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Lord, may we know who we are. May we know who we are. That, we, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Lord God, in this moment, we, we thank you that you are now building us into a house of your spirit, to a dwelling place for your presence in our midst. Lord, we ask that all our direction, all our understanding of who we are called to be would flow from you, the living stone, 
And that, Lord, as we understand who you have called us to be, that, God, you would enable us to live out the identity you have given us, you have chosen, you have called us into, out of darkness, into your wonderful light. Lord, we pray that we would begin to just live into that, that each and every one of us would know we are a part of the people of God, this holy nation, this royal priesthood. That, Lord, we wouldn't see that as something true of other people or some people in the church, but we would understand that each and every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest and everyone in between, that this is us. Every one of us. Build us together into the house that you desire. We give you all permission, the great cornerstone, the living stone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you now. We've got a few moments together. Let's set aside whatever else we're thinking of. And just for a few moments, you know, we get so few moments like this in any given week or given day where we have gathered, you know, this, this passage becomes reality. We're built together. We're shoulder to shoulder. We're voices together. Let's declare the praises of the one who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Let's sing together.